0: About perspective. Decide, and perspective is simply this: perspective is just the way that we view something, right? We all have, we have a perspective on just an innumerable number of things in our lives. We have perspective is simply a a point of view that we have, or a a way that we see something, right? The way that we see things, and so so all of us have a perspective in life about a, just. So many things, everything in life you have a perspective, a, an opinion, a view on, so a, a perspective in life. And so we and then we said that we have a perspective even in life of how we view ourselves and in the way that we, we view ourselves and what we think about ourselves and what we're capable of and, and what we're possible, what was possible for us to do in life. And so we have this perspective in life. And so each of us have this varied perspectives about how we view ourselves, the the capabilities and abilities that we possess in our life. And we said for the last couple of weeks that God himself has a perspective on how he views us. And we said that that his perspective is perfect. Right? His perspective is complete. And how he sees us and what we're capable of doing in life. And so that when he looks at us, he, he sees us with... Through his lens and his perspective. And we said that for most of us in, in our lives, we are we're not sharing God's perspective on how we view our lives and our capabilities and our abilities in life. We, we don't share those, that same perspective. And that God wants us to shift from this perspective over here of, of, our, of our limited perspective to have his perspective in life. And so we looked at the life of, of Isaiah last week in Isaiah chapter 6. And we said, hey... Isaiah came in this in this really this perspective of, of death. He's remember he says he says, Woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips, for I have seen the Lord. And basically what he says is I'm under a death sentence. I'm in a perspective of death. I'm overwhelmed. I, I can't live this life anymore. Death to me, death to me. Oh my gosh, death. I'm just dead. Right? This idea of death, he says, This is the perspective I'm living under. But then we said that God came and 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 moved and initiated contact with him and basically changed his perspective in chapters in the into chapter six. I mean, here's Isaiah doing these great exploits for God. And so what we find then is this, this, this perspective shift in his life. And what we said for us is that for all of us, all of us, there has to be a perspective shift in life of shifting from how we define ourselves and how we view ourselves and the abilities that we have and shifting over here to recognizing how God views us How he views our capabilities and our abilities empowered by his Holy Spirit according to the whole book of Ephesians. And so as we then live our lives, we have to recognize there must be a perspective shift that we are limited in our perspective. And we have to allow God to awaken us or enlighten us to how he views us and how he sees us so that we can be on the same page as he is. Basically, we're in need of a perspective shift. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take us back and I want to shift gears just a little bit to kind of launch us into the next several weeks. But I want to start. I want to start in the beginning. I want to start in the beginning, literally in Genesis chapter one, where it says in the beginning, God created Then it goes into all of these things. That God did, right? The heavens and the earth, right? And that He created the the oceans and He created the land and the Moon and the stars. You you've read through Genesis one before. And so there's just this long list of creation, right? What we call the created order. And in that, towards the end of chapter one, he then says, He says, Let us come and let's create Male and female. Male and female, we, we, shall create, we shall create them in our image, right? In my image. This idea of creating us in the image of God. And so it's, the, it's kind of the, the pinnacle, the, the highest place of creation is in this, this creation of male and female, of man and of woman. This is the, the highest, the pinnacle of creation. And he created it for a purpose. But let me say this this morning, this is, this is we, 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 you may hold this view, and I want to break this view free from you this morning. God did not create anything for you. That wasn't his purpose. The purpose of creation was not to create anything for you per se. God created for himself. It's a a, a good point of delineation here. God didn't create it for you. He created all of creation, including you, for Himself, for His enjoyment, for, for His delight, for His purposes. He created all things. And so in creation, we see God created for the purpose of creation for himself so that he may enjoy it forever, and it would bring glory unto him, right? It would basically make people talk about how great he is and all the things of the creation. And so what we find in creation is that God created all of this, all everything you see for himself, for a purpose of bringing glory to himself. But what you find in this is... The idea of God then relating to His creation, including you, including all of humanity. So what we find is this. Yes, God created for Himself, but He created it so that He could be in relationship with creation for eternity. With the pinnacle of that creation being us, human beings, who were created in His image. And so what we find is this, and this is the first thing I want us to get to this morning, because what I want to say say this morning is there is a perspective shift that needs to happen in us that we find at the very beginning of creation as we look at who God is and what He did, even in the beginning, that will help us understand who God is and in a sense who will help us understand who we are being created in His image. And the first thing we find is simply this. God is a relational God. God is a relational God. God cre- God was in, He was there before creation. Guess what He was doing? He was in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? They're living in community with one another, in relationship. A, a perfect, it's this perfect triune God relationship happening. He says, Hey, I have this great idea. I've had it forever let's now create let's create heaven and earth and all of this stuff and then let's create let's create something in our image who is like us right who is like us who we can then be in relationship with and they can be in relationship with us this dynamic then of then of god being a relational god and creating a relational people we see this from the beginning god created man in his image and he's relating to it. And we see that, in my opinion, God, just just this beautiful picture of the relational nature of God and his relationship with humankind. And we see it in chapter 3, it says this, and in chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? Where are you? So you know the story, right? The first seven verses, the man and the woman both. Fall, let's say both fall, they're both tempted and they choose sin, right? They choose to eat of the one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that God says, you may not eat of this tree if you do, surely you will die, right? And so they eat of this tree, all of a sudden sin enters the world, they go and they hide themselves. But I love this picture because in the moment what happens, God comes down probably in that probably Jesus himself is walking in the garden. And he, well, guess what he's doing? He's looking for the man and the woman. Don't you love that? Let that sink in for a moment. The God who just created... Listen, we're not telling the story of Adam and Eve here. We're telling the story of man and woman whom you represent. Right? You are the Adams and the Eves, the man and the woman today. right? And so God is saying, listen, I'm coming down and I just simply want to do one thing. I just want to walk with you in the cool of the garden. There has to be a perspective shift. That from the beginning, God was coming down to walk with man, to walk with woman, to be in relationship with them. We we are in a relationship with a relational God who desires relationship. But you can't miss the context. Listen, God comes down and says, where are you? And of course, He knew exactly where they were. I mean, He's God. He knows all things. He knows what just happened. He knows that they just... Listen, they just created the worst sin ever. Because it was the first it was the first one. Right? It was the worst sin ever, because it was the very first one. It was the worst sin ever. They had totally eaten the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and now sin had entered into all of creation into the moment, right? And all of a sudden, everything that was supposed to be was not until it's going to be redeemed later, right? So this whole dynamic is going down of brokenness. And God still comes down. Do you see the picture? God knew their brokenness. God knew their sin. God knew the things that they had done, choosing something that God has said, do not choose. They had chosen against God. And in the moment of God, knowing this and this whole idea of saying, hey, where are you? Maybe he's saying this whole idea of where are you? What's going on? Because he knew where they were. But he wanted them to know in the moment there's still a pursuit. Hey, where are you? You're hiding from me. I know where you are. But where are you? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? What are you thinking? Where are you? Listen, they're in brokenness. They're in a perspective of brokenness. Why? Because they're broken. They're in a place of being, in this difficult place of being overwhelmed. They're literally hiding themselves out of guilt, out of condemnation, all of this stuff, and they're saying, we've got to hide from God. Why? Because He's holy, and because of their brokenness, they really no longer are. They're in this place of sin, and God says, where are you? Of Making a statement is saying, even in this perspective of sin and of death, and in your brokenness, I'm still coming down to find you and to walk with you. Why? Because He's a relational God. He won't let them stay in their sin, will He, right? He he comes and He speaks to them. You can continue on in chapter 3. And there's now consequences for their sin. There's, the, 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 there's, there's difficulty on the earth, right? There's all of this stuff. But He's saying, but there's still relationship. And the, the thing that I want you to shift in your perspective is simply this. We live every day of our life And being told that we can't be in a relationship with God, whether it's ourselves telling us this with condemnation or with guilt or our life circumstances pointing at us saying, listen, you're so distant from God and God the entire time is looking at saying, where are you? I haven't gone anywhere. Where are you? He's asking them the question so that they can answer it for themselves to find out. Oh, we're distant and we're disconnected. And God is saying, I'm a relational God. So he comes here with Adam and Eve. He says, let me have this first sacrifice and I'll kill an animal and I will clothe you because I recognize in your weakness where you are. The thing I want you to see is this morning is simply this. The perspective that you have to embrace. That we see from the very beginning of all time, in the beginning of creation, is that God is a relational God who created us in his image. Who even in our brokenness, he is pursuing us. He is crying out, where are you? Because I'm right here. I'm coming. I'm moving towards you, right? I'm moving in your direction. And I want to say this, that you, you hear me say this, but you don't live this way. You hear me, you know it, you can speak to everybody else. But the question is, are you living simply in the reality that God is a relational God who can't do anything but relate? We've been created in His image, ultimately created to primarily relate to Him for eternity. And He's crying out, where are you? Because I created you this way and I can't believe you're not running to me. We are created to be a people who are continually running to God even when we are covered in horse poo. Sin poo. You know, what, seriously, you can laugh at that, y'all. You don't have to be too holy here, Right? I mean, seriously, you know what I'm talking about. We get covered in all of this stuff every day of our life. We walk in. Remember, Jesus said to the disciples, Peter says, cleanse out, cleanse me. Don't just wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, no, no. It's just your feet that I need to clean. The rest of your body is clean. But when you walk through life every day, poo gets on your feet. And I've got to clean it off, right? This is what happens when we live our life every day. And he's coming and saying, where are you? Just press pause in your own mind for a second, in your own spiritual heart of knowing everything because you've been in church most of your life. And ask yourself if you believe this. Do you believe that God's actually relational, wants to, be rela- wants to be in relationship with you, and that even in the midst of your brokenness, that he's still pursuing you and wanting you near him? Or do you think you have to get yourself completely right and everything perfect, right, before you come to him? God walks up to them, having just sinned, and in their nakedness, and says, why are you here? I've been coming down to walk with you because I'm a relational God who wants to relate to you. But you're in this perspective over here of condemnation, this perspective of guilt over here, and I'm still coming after you. You need to turn to me and walk with me again. I've got to cleanse you. Yes, I mean, you've sinned and there's going to be consequences possibly for this and it's difficult. But, but come with me. Come with me. Listen, this... (laughs) Why am I talking about this? Because from the creation of time, God's trying to he's wanting to create a perspective for you that who he is from the beginning of humanity is to be a relational God. To move to help you move past your sin, because, listen, he's just not all that caught up in your sin. Now, he is, but he's not. Do you you see the paradox there? It's like, yes, sin has separated you. But he's still moving because he's stronger than it. He's still coming after you and pursuing. Why? Because he never gives up on relationship. He is faithful when you are faithless. And listen, that's why Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to the reality of God being this relational God who can't do anything but pursue you and be relational because it's who he is. And you have to get over that. And when he cries out where you are, you have to say, here I am, sorry. There you are. Let me cleanse you. You have to live in this perspective. You have to allow this relational perspective to now define everything about your life. Because the enemy is stealing, killing, and destroying with the spirit of condemnation saying you're not worthy. You never can ever again do anything for God. Your life is worthless. You remember what you did last week, last year, last month, all this stuff, right? Ten years ago. You know who you know who you are. You can never be used by God, right? And God says, I am calling out, where are you? Because I'm a relational God looking for relationship. This is perspective. Take a deep breath and allow that to sink in. Everybody close your eyes for a moment. Nobody's around you. And listen. God is a relational God. Where are you? Where are you in that relationship? What are you believing right now about how God feels about you that's not true? That he's condemning you. That he does not like you. That you can't do whatever that thing is, right? Because you don't think you're worthy. The perspective shift this morning you have to have is mentally, just even mentally see yourself going to the perspective of Jesus as a relational God who is crying out every day when you wake up, where are you? Where are you? So we shift to the next perspective. You can look up now. So we go we keep on going on. This moment this moment happens, sins enter the world, there's separation. But because God is eternally a relational God, He forever will be a relational God, He then desires to do everything He possibly can to make relationship happen. That's why Jesus came, right? He wanted to tail the temple, He wanted to take the temple veil that represented separation. He wanted to tear it in two. Why? So we could be in relationship with Him. He wanted to be intimate with us. The first picture of this is not in John or in, in, in the Gospels. The, one of the very first pictures of this outside of even Adam and Eve and in the creation of man and woman would be in Genesis chapter 12. This is, a, this is a story of the heart of God. It's another perspective shift that we have to have because, because it involves us. It involves a, a perspective that God has for all of humanity who are in relationship with him. Genesis chapter 12 takes us to the story of Abraham. You know, Abraham is the father of, of the people of God, right? He's the father of the Jews. And so one day in Genesis chapter 12, when the people are kind of separated from God, and God comes down and says, I've got a plan. In chapter 12, verse 2 and 3, he says this. God speaking to Abraham he says I as of God will make you into a great nation and will bless you I will make the I will make your name great and you will be a blessing I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all people's on earth will be blessed through you. So we come into that and we love the idea. This is awesome. God wants to bless me. We love blessing. We have churches all over america who love to talk about god blessing them and god bringing blessings right we love to focus on the selfish nature of blessing and so in churches when we talk all day long about god blessing us it becomes very easily selfish in nature about what i can get from god but we miss the whole perspective shift right here because we miss because we don't really like it because it puts us into action and the action is very clear It says listen I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. Woo! Right? And I will make your name great. Woo! And you will be a blessing. What? And I will send, goes on and says, but the Lord says, he says right here, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. What you find is this. Listen, you have to hear this. If you are a Christian, the call of Genesis 12 was this. Abraham, I've called you to be a blessing to the nations. Guess what? Abraham did not have Delta and frequent flyer mile tickets. There's no way He can make it to all the nations. So guess what God's intention was? Abraham, there are a people coming after you who will be my people, who will be in relationship with me, and the call that I give you to be a blessing to all the nations will never be rescinded until the day that I return in my fullness and take everybody home with me, meaning every single person who's been grafted into the vine, who's now part of the family of Abraham, which who is simply this, those who call themselves followers of Jesus and lovers of God, they will forever now need to live in a perspective of Genesis chapter 12 that just as you had a special mission Abraham, every person after you, you also will carry the same mission. It's not a, you don't get it, you know, this just a mission impossible. There's no choice to accept it or not. Man, it's not ever going to blow up. It's just sitting there every day like this. Everywhere you go, mission, call of Abraham, Genesis 12. Yeah, I'm blessing you. Yay! To be a blessing to the nations, which simply means this. Everything that you have, all of your resources, all of your money, all of your gifts, don't belong to you. Why? They were given to you for a special mission. So that you could give it away. What are you giving away? Well, you're giving away your first perspective. The greatest blessing that God has ever poured out in the world and will ever pour out is a relationship with Him of saying, Where are you, God? Here I am. Whom remember Isaiah, whom shall go for us? He goes, Here I am, God, send me. We have a perspective of relationship. This is the great blessing that we've received, that we as a fallen and broken people are in a relationship with a living God. And he says in Genesis 12, but it's not just enough for you to be blessed because, listen, you will be bored. Man, Americans are the most bored people on the entire earth. They have all of these resources and all of these gifts and they sit there and they want to go cheat on their husbands and their wives because they're bored, right? They want to steal money from their business because they're bored. They want to go on weekends and get drunk because they're bored, right? They want to do all the rest to sleep around because they're bored. They're bored because they've never embraced a perspective of mission from Genesis chapter 12 that's inbred, ingrained in their life. Why? Because the call of Abraham is in their lives because they're grafted into the divine. And so we ch- had this perspective shift of saying, God, yes, you bless me. I'm in relationship with you. But the call of Abraham was simple. Abraham, I'm blessing you with relationship. I'm blessing you with all this stuff because I want you to take it and be a blessing to every nation. What does that mean, God? Well, they don't know me. They're not in relationship with me. And I'm a relational God who loves them, wants them to be in relationship. I want them to know me. And so I'm calling you out of your comfort zone. I'm calling you out of err. I'm calling you out of these places. I'm calling you from where you are to get off of your tailbone, right? And get up and move forward. Why? Because you're going to be bored in life. You just sit there all day long, never fulfilling the mission. You have a mission. Every believer of Christ has a mission. And it's a perspective shift that has to happen and change in your life. You don't get to live your life for yourself. You're called to live your life for God. In the call of Abraham, in, which is what Jesus did. That's what he did. He came. He came. Why? Because he had to take the next, take Genesis 12 to the next level. All Jesus coming is simply a, it's just it's simply a, an answer to Genesis 12, right? You know the New Testament is, doesn't have anything apart from the Old Testament, right? If you just read the New Testament, you're missing God, missing Jesus, right? You have to read this part too. It's a pretty big chunk of the Bible. This, it's a fulfillment. He's coming and fulfilling this Genesis 12 and then releasing people in the power of the Spirit to go and be Jesus to people. Why? So he could bring them into relationship. Why? Because they're, they're, because God's calling up to them, where are you? And they're hiding from him in death. Why? Because sin has their, just hands wrapped around their neck. Some of you have sin wrapped around your neck. You have to get free. He's a relational God crying out, where are you? So, are you? Listen. Are you fulfilling this mission every day? Are you fulfilling this mission every day? I know life is hard. Peter, literally every day, he would Paul the disciples. They get up every day and they walk out their door thinking, today's the day I'm going to die, right? That they have all these called Judaizers, these anti, these anti, you know, freedom people who are like breathing down their necks. Basically they're the Pharisees, they're basically just a bunch of church people, right? And they're breathing down their neck all day long, right? Every day they're feeling threatened. Every, life is difficult. Our lives are difficult. And God is saying, I understand it's difficult, but it's no reason why you can't fulfill your mission of being, being Jesus every day. Are you fulfilling this mission every day? Are you a listen, are you a blessing? Are you blessing those around you every day with the fruit of your relationship with Jesus? Is it is it is it being people picking your fruit from your tree every day, the relationship you have with Jesus? So that when you come to them, you have something to offer. Do you have a relationship with Jesus worth sharing? I'm not saying that as a guilt, that's not guilt driven. And it's not to produce condemnation. I'm simply asking you the question, because if you can't answer that well, then guess what? God's saying, where are you? Change your perspective. This is a, it's a, it's a beautiful gift for, for God to come and discipline his children. You need to change perspectives. You have to live every day with the mission in front of you. This is your call. I've already given it to you. You're already living in this place, right? I have a perspective about your life and your abilities and your capabilities. Just walk in it. I'm a relational God calling out to you in your death and your hell and your sickness saying, where are you? Just turn and come. I can wash you and cleanse you and heal you and then set you on the special mission that I have for you. This This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to receive blessing and then give it all away. And he'll continue to move and to bless us. Let's pray. Father, you are good.